Joseph went and told Pharaoh, My father and brothers, with their flocks and herds and everything they own, have come from the land of Canaan and are now in Goshen. He chose five of his brothers and presented them before Pharaoh. Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? Your servants are shepherds, they replied to Pharaoh, just as our fathers were. They also said to him, We have come to live here for a while because the famine is severe in Canaan and your servants' flocks have no pasture. So now please let your servants settle in Goshen. Pharaoh said to Joseph, Your father and your brothers have come to you and the land of Egypt is before you. Settle your father and your brothers in the best part of the land. Let them live in Goshen. And if you know of any among them with special ability, put them in charge of my own livestock. Then Joseph brought his father Jacob in and presented him before Pharaoh. After Jacob blessed Pharaoh, Pharaoh asked him, how old are you? And Jacob said to Pharaoh, the years of my pilgrimage are 130. My years have been few and difficult, and they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my father's. Then Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from his presence. So Joseph settled his father and his brothers in Egypt and gave them property in the best part of the land, the district of Ramesses, as Pharaoh directed. Joseph also provided his father and his brothers and all his father's household with food according to the number of their children. There was no food, however, in the whole region because the famine was severe. Both Egypt and Canaan wasted away because of the famine. Joseph collected all the money that was to be found in Egypt and Canaan in payment for the grain they were buying, and he brought it to Pharaoh's palace. When the money of the people of Egypt and Canaan was gone, all Egypt came to Joseph and said, Give us food. Why should we die before your eyes? Our money is all gone. Then bring your livestock, said Joseph. I will sell you food in exchange for your livestock, since your money is gone. So they brought their livestock to Joseph, and he gave them food in exchange for their horses, their sheep and goats, their cattle and donkeys. And he brought them through that year with food in exchange for all their livestock. When that year was over, they came to him the following year and said, we cannot hide from our Lord the fact that since our money is gone and our livestock belongs to you, there is nothing left for our Lord except our bodies and our land. Why should we perish before your eyes, we and our land as well? Buy us and our land in exchange for food, and we with our land will be in bondage to Pharaoh. Give us seed so that we may live and not die, and that the land may not become desolate." So Joseph bought all the land in Egypt for Pharaoh. The Egyptians, one and all, sold their fields because the famine was too severe for them. The land became Pharaoh's, and Joseph reduced the people to servitude from one end of Egypt to the other. However, he did not buy the land of the priests because they received a fixed allowance from Pharaoh and had food enough, and had food enough from the allowance of Pharaoh gave them. That is why they did not sell their land. Joseph said to the people, Now that I have bought you and your land today for Pharaoh, here is seed for you so you can plant the ground. But when the crop comes in, give a fifth of it to Pharaoh. The other four fifths you may keep as seed for the fields and as food for yourselves and your households and your children. You have saved our lives, they said. 
May we find favour in the eyes of our Lord. We will be in bondage to Pharaoh. So Joseph established it as a law concerning lands in Egypt, still in force today that a fifth of the produce belongs to Pharaoh. It was only the land of the priests that did not become Pharaoh's. Now the Israelites settled in Egypt in the region of Goshen. They acquired property there and were fruitful and increased greatly in number. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years and the years of his life were 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favour in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise me that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I'll do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him, and Israel worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. Thanks, Phil. Next prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your amazing word. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. And at the time of worship, you are speaking to us and reminding us again and again how wonderful you are, how majestic you are. From the beginning, Lord Jesus, you are an everlasting God. And your plans are unchanging. We are just looking at a tiny, tiny spot in the history, but you detailed with amazing truths of your goodness and mercy, God. Help us to listen and to, to understand and to follow you wholeheartedly because you are good and your love is always there and you are unchanging. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Big John had been living on the street of London for over 10 years. Before that, he had spent over nine years in prison. Most of his teeth were missing. He was addicted to methadone. His name was on the streets of the London was Big John because he was a big guy who had once boxed for the army. Big John walked into one of our night shelter. This is Nikki Gamble, uh, is one of the things from, she's talking about uh, Alpha HDB night shelter. For the homeless at HDB, he came for with his friend, Little John. Big John loved it and appreciated all the young people who cared for him. He started coming to church. He came on Alpha. He encountered Jesus. He was filled with the Holy Spirit on Alpha weekend. He came off the drugs. God turned his life right around from despair to joy. He started telling his friends on the street about Jesus. Each week, he would turn up at the church with more friends. His name, his nickname on the street changed from Big John to John the Baptist. One of the guys he had met on Alpha Weekend was in the property business and found him accommodation. A dentist in our church congregation volunteered to replace all his missing teeth. He had been uh, uh, reconciled with his mother and his daughter. He now had a relationship with his grandchildren whom he never met before. 
following Jesus is life-changing. He constantly turns people's lives around. He turns despair into joy. Amazing story. I remember at the age of 21, uh, 22, 23, I think I, I, was, I was leading the church in my town. We were doing a kind of a fasting and prayer time. I'm, come, I'm walking back, back to my house. There's a little boy, maybe 16-year-old, walking, just uh, coming from the opposite side. I felt God, is, God spoke in my heart. Just had a word with him. Just talk to him. I know him from the town, but I don't know him that well. I told him, Jesus loves you. And uh, we are having a meeting. Do you want to come to that meeting? He decided to come. That evening, <laughs> it was not quite an ordinary meeting, you know, just because we were not expecting lots of uh, um, unexpected things, you know. We don't expect. We, as long as things go nice, we are quite happy. As we were praying, this boy started rolling, screaming, just uh, one demon, second one, third one, Goodness me, it was an eventful evening. At the end, he stood up and said, I feel like I'm free now. Okay, so then I asked him, what do you mean by free? Free from what? Then he unraveled his story. Nighttime around 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, he ran to the river to commit suicide. So his parents usually wait at the door to stop him. When you're trying to stop him physically, he's a little boy, 15-year-old. He's like a, uh, I don't know, like a sardine type, you know, just a very skinny boy, you know. And uh, his parents can't stop him. It's kind of unusual power. And they were kind of normal Christians. They used the Bible under the pillow to sort the issue. Didn't work. They're trying to bang with the Bible. Didn't work. And they decide it won't work. They took to the local magician. And uh, he did, oh, the first thing they want is money, you know. So <laughs> they took money and uh, temporary fix kind of things. There's no cure. Start using ad alcohol, 15, 16 year old. Start using drugs into crime and the tendency of committing suicide. This family was in a mess. That's the time I'm meeting him. And that evening, he said, I'm free now. Since then, his life changed inside out. <laughs> and God transformed him. And he became one of our local powerful evangelist you know he brings lots of children and uh, the family never experienced that kind of peace in their life you know so and uh, through his uh, through his life his his dad also uh, stopped drinking he wasn't he was an addict to alcohol and uh, lots of things change and the community start noticing this is impossible by man is only possible by God. Here is another man we are looking at the scripture. His name is Jacob. 
In order to understand the bigger picture, we need to go back a little bit. God creation, we heard about uh, today the creation at the time God is there and he created everything for, for his purpose and he created Adam and Eve with this with amazing plan but sin broke everything that was not the end of the story it was a messy start and he was talking about a seed in Genesis chapter 3 and in Genesis chapter 12 uh, uh, talking to Abraham there is a redemption there is a seed coming there is a there's one person coming to restore everything he chose the man Abraham and his calling was to bless the nations to bless the nations that was God's heart to bless the nations how do you what does that mean by bless the nations the blessing comes through knowing him the, the real blessing is knowing God that is the freedom and security so God wants to speak to all nations rather than to trying to find your freedom and blessing in something I am your blessing you know many times God spoke to people I am your great reward I am the way the truth and life you know God trying to communicate but people run their own business but God chose Abraham to bless the nations then he spoke the same prophecy the same promise to Isaac then he spoke to Jacob you can see that in Genesis chapter 35 you know so you already you have been hearing about this for a long time so you are quite familiar with that one in Genesis chapter 35 verse 11 I am God Almighty be fruitful and multiply so that's the promise from God I am God Almighty it's not your strength your authority you don't need to make it happen because I am God Almighty you can be fruitful and multiply in Genesis chapter 46 I think uh, Dan preached in the beginning God spoke to Jacob again I am God God of your father what does that mean Jacob you have seen amazing breathtaking events in your life God's provision God's breakthrough and defeating the enemies impossible situations become possible and you have seen that you have seen that not only that you might have heard from your grandfather and your father God spoke to them and you witnessed that you saw that I am your father I'm the God of your father he said do not be afraid to go down to Egypt for I will make you into a great nation there goodness me this nation 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 everywhere at a couple of weeks back uh, Jeremy was preaching uh, uh, he was talking about nations and uh, how God wants to bless the nations and he was talking about number 70 you know so it's quite an interesting number at that time that's the number of nations lived around that land you know so God wants to bless the nations I will go down with you I will surely bring you back again who is saying this hello sorry I came just came from Africa so I'm still changing to English mode you know so it might take a little bit of time <laughs> so, so God Almighty we just heard from Rachel you know if you, if you go back to the to the beginning 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 and at the end who can you see God Almighty who created everything from nothing who's sustaining everything who knows every heart 
He knows what's happening next moment. We don't know. We don't have any clue about that. But God knows everything. He's perfect. And he proved again and again and again. But he's reminding in his mercy, in his love. I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again. And Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. This is the promise. In Genesis chapter 46, we can see, we, uh, you might have heard that one last week. And there's a conversation with uh, Jacob's uh, other ch ch children and Jacob and Joseph having a conversation. We will go and meet Pharaoh. Then Joseph said to his brothers, that's in Genesis chapter 46 verse 31. Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I will go up and speak to Pharaoh and will say to him, my brothers and my father's household who were living in the land of Canaan had come to me. The men are shepherd. They tend livestock. They have brought along their livestock and herds and everything they own. When Pharaoh calls in, in and asks, what is your occupation? You should answer, your servants are tended livestock from our boyhood on just as our fathers did. Then you will be allowed to settle in the region of Goshen for all shepherds are distestable to, sorry, uh, to the Egyptians. And we can see that one in Genesis chapter 41. Just will uh, read that one. That scenario is literally happening. So they came and the brothers came, had a conversation and they asked the question, what is your occupation? So who are you? So at that time, their identity being revealed through what they did. They said, we are shepherds. That's the identity. That's what they've been doing. It's not just a, a random sheep business or kind of a cattle business. There is a prophetic element to attach to that one. Because shepherding, pastoring, God said, I am the good shepherd, you know. So here, lots of things are there. It's not just running a business for survival. There is an element of God's calling in that mission. It's not just to trying to do something for the sake of survival. It's beyond that. Because God called them to bless the nations. So that means shepherding the nation, to nurturing them, leading them. So there are lots of elements there. Pharaoh's may, Pharaoh may not understand that one, but God called them as shepherds. If somebody asks you a question, who are you? What will you say? Oh, maybe I need a volunteer. Who would like to come forward? I'm ready to be embarrassed also, okay? In advance warning. No. Who wants to come forward? Otherwise, I'll call you. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to call. Okay, we'll come forward. You know, my dear friend, you know. So you, you got a bald head, you know. So pointed, uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, oh, you can come here. So please. So who are you? I will. Oh, by the way, that's your name. Who are you? <laughs> so you said your name that's your name I can understand but who are you um, I am a Man United fan uh, that's the fan you support but who are you uh, I'm Christian 
I love God. So I'm a son of God. Oh, you spoiled it, you know. You should have said that answer. To you you, you sit there. You sit there. Go, go. No. Never, ever again, you know. So the. <laughs> so sometimes we would say, "This is my name." I am English or British, or that's your nationality or ethnic identity. Or I'm, I'm from Iraq, or I'm, I'm from Iran, or I'm from India, or that's the nationality. Who are you? Oh, I'm a doctor, or that's the profession. Uh, who are you? Uh, uh, I am male, or that's your sexual identity. Who are you? Uh, I, 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 uh, you know, so you feel like a stack. You feel like it's, it's like a, it's an onion peeling moment, you know. The, the deeper you go, you feel like, oh, that's, my, that's me, that's not me, that's not me, that's not me. So people try to create their identity based on something, but the real person is more than their job more than their ethnic identity, more than what they believe, it's more than what they do. It is deeper. But this world is craving to find identity in things, you know. How famous you are, how wealthy you are, uh, how, 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 how many educational degrees you have, or no, how, how wealthy you are, you know, or how poor you are, or which part of uh, uh, the, the country you live in. So, so there are lots of criteria. You put it together and trying to define that personhood through things. But things will go and come, and people can be a variable kind of personality. But, but if you really look inside, like Will just said, John Piper put it this way, human beings are a creation of God whose nature is designed by God to consciously display God's greatness and His beauty and His worth. I'll repeat that again. Human beings, us, are creation of God. God created us, whose nature is designed by God. God designed our nature to consciously, there is a willingnessly, there is it's not by force, but consciously to display God's greatness and His beauty and His worth. That is my identity. The world is in a mess because people are running after things to find their identity. When that things go down, they are down. Through marriage or children or business or different things. But here they replied, We are shepherds. This is our identity. And Paul is reminding us in Philippians chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 20, or when 13 onwards, you know, join us in the following my examples, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model keep your eyes on on those who live as we do for as i have often told you before now tell you again even with tears 
Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. How? Their destiny is destruction. How? Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. That's the problem. There is no bigger picture. There is a very narrow outlook in us. But Paul is reminding, even with tears, he's saying, like, be, don't be destroyed by not understanding God's plan in your life. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform us, our, our lovely bodies so that they will be like, we will be, they will be like his glorious body. That is our citizenship. That is God's glorious plan. It's not just a survival mode. It is a glorious plan. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow, fellow citizenship and the saints and members of God's household. So can you see the corporate identity? There is no individual identity. There is no much emphasis on corporate individual identity. More corporate. We are citizenship towards the heaven. You know? So we are part of God's plan and God's household. And in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, strive for the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I remember Rory reading that very similar posh, uh, uh, you know, so, so, uh, uh, portion, uh, so similar, similar scripture, you know, so, uh, uh, and it's a, he is seated on the right hand of God and uh, set your minds on he heaven because you are been created and you've been raised with Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, you know that we are a new creation. The old is gone. So God is reminding us again and again, your old is gone, you are new. So that His grace and His Spirit will enable us to, to live a life according to our calling to display His greatness, His beauty, and His worth. So they were saying, we are shepherds. 1 Peter chapter 2, one of my favorite verses. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. I love that, you know, God's special possession. <laughs> that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not people. But now you are the people of God. Once you were not received mercy. But now you have received mercy. There's a big transformation there. So there is an identity change there. Before that identity based on a people without, didn't receive mercy. Living in darkness. Enmity to God. Lost. Messy. Broken. Rejected. There is no meaning. There is no morality. There is no destiny. There is, there is, everything is broken. But in His mercy, 
God knew that. God knows that he, he created us in his likeness and his, he created us in his image and likeness. So in his sovereign grace and his love, he came down to rescue us so that a restored, renewed identity or the true identity we lost been restored so that we can have an everlasting, loving, secure, amazing, deep, ongoing, redemptive relationship with God. In upside or up, up, up times or down times or any season, your identity never ever changed because that's secure in God because God is unchanging. God is everlasting. He's not going to move because God is immovable. But the world is looking at things to find their identity. You might have heard about self-esteem movement or self-help. When God created that word was not in the dictionary. It's been added since the fall. Before that, self-esteem was not true. Adam and Eve were not lost because their total identity was found in God. <laughs> Who are you? We are the children of God. God created us. God placed us. We are blessed by God. We are living for His glory. And we are doing everything for him. And we are enjoying and we are safe and secure. Are you lacking anything? Nothing. When sin came and broke things, they started finding the identity, identity within them. That is the moment of self-esteem. It is a crushing car. But God wants to live a life based on God esteem because he created us that is our identity how many of you heard about the midlife crisis might be a new word it's quite we, we, we use that in India you never heard this one in England I know that midlife crisis how many of you over 40 yeah. Oh, thankfully, I was rescued by Jeremy at Zambia because uh, one of the guys said the, the, the average age of midlife in England was 35. I was thinking like, oh, oh no. <laughs> so later he came and corrected, no, no, he's 40. I was thinking, yes, praise God. God is alive. You know, he's good. <laughs> How many of you thought, I wish I did this course. I wish... I didn't do that one. I wish if I said that one. I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. Not lifting your hands is a self-confession. I took it that, that way, you know. <laughs> I wish. Oh, I didn't do that one, you know. So, so we can live with the lots of regret in our life. I wish I went to uni. I wish when I listened to my dad. I wish I talked to that person in that time. Uh, you know, just we can live with lots of things and we miss the opportunity and we are in a crisis now. 
That's not the whole definition of midlife crisis. It's more than that. But because of time, I'm trying to minimize it, you know, so. Here is a man, Jacob. So unheard, amazing plans from God, including father, grandfather, lots of things. And God spoke to him. I am God Almighty. He said, yes. But what happened? He tried to fulfill that promise through his way. He was trying to help God for the fulfillment. Have you ever tried that one? I know. Self-confession, you know. So he, he was thinking like, okay, God promised me to, to be a blessing. Oh, what should, what should I do? I should do this way, you know. Okay, uh, I should be the special son, you know. I should steal that, uh, the, the brother, brother uh, like all the brother things from my brother and give him, do this one. And I'm trying to cover him like a sheep and get the blessing from my father. So can I can be a blessing, you know. Try things to, to do things his own way, but end up in a big mess. And God called him. I'm going to come. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to summarize this one. You know, just like God called him to be a blessing to the nation. Now, chapter 46. Who is standing in front of him? Pharaoh. Who is Pharaoh? He's the greatest ruler ever lived in that time. He is powerful. He didn't see the assistant of Pharaoh. He is standing in front of. The mighty ruler, and who rules nations at that time? How many of you seen Queen? Not through TV, sorry. One, one face to face. Oh, how many of you got the opportunity to talk to someone really, really special, and you lost all the words? You know, like you feel. Like, oh. Oh, I wish I could have said that, you know. So, oh, I could have asked that question, you know. Just you, you just blew it, you know. So then you can live. Oh, I can't believe that I said that. I can't believe that, you know. So, so another crisis. I don't know whether it's a midlife crisis or some sort of crisis. That one, you know. After you didn't do something you wanted to do, but you were not able to do. You want to communicate, but here is the moment. He's standing in front of Pharaoh, and the promise is, you are called to bless the nations. Perfect moment. And he's opening his, his, his mouth and asking, he's a, he, he the, he's the question from, from Pharaoh. How old are you? The question is very simple, not complicated. He could have answered that very straightforward. The Pharaoh asked Jacob, how old are you? What was his response? Uh, the years of my pilgrimage, I don't know any type of age in that one, are 130. He didn't answer clearly. The years have been few and difficult. Okay, keep going. And they do not equal the years of the pilgrimage of my father. Keep going. I asked the question, how old are you? It's a straightforward answer, but you are mourning and groaning. Have you come across people like that? You know, when you're running the bath and you open the door 
and they want to pour out their heart to you all their morning, and you want to close that bath because it's going to overflow within 20 seconds. <laughs> Bad timing. You are standing before the mighty man of that period, and God is calling you to bless them, but you are mourning. He blew it. Then he blessed Pharaoh and left his presence. One of the commentators put it this way, Jacob blessed Pharaoh by leaving his presence. <laughs> this is the man. Where is this coming from? You know, if you look at really details, you know. So it is all about me, 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 me. I haven't lived as long as my ancestors. The years I lived was being trouble in my difficulty. So he was mourning and he was blue it and he lost the opportunity to bless that one. At the same time, his son was a bit more different. In, uh, in Genesis chapter 41, verse 30, he was saying, God will reveal the, the dream. You know, God will do it. You know, I can't interpret God will do it. But he blew it. How did he end up there? A man was musing while his brother was hunting. Tried lie, cheating, bargaining to fulfill God's promise. He was disappointed within him. His blind love for Rachel and favoritism towards Jacob. Joseph was a big cost and end up in a big scandal in his family. His failure to discipline Leah's son and, and what is Simeon and Levi into violence and Reuben is in a big mess. Simeon and Judah is in forbidden marriages. You know this incident of Judah and Tamar? Joseph, famine. Joseph is no more. Simeon is no more. We heard that everything is against me. And he is standing in front of the, the big, mighty army, completely missed to fulfill God's calling on his life. But that is not the end of the story. <laughs> what about you? Sometimes we can think about the long list of things didn't happen in our life. The baggage we carry in our life. Missed opportunity and messed opportunities and uh, childhood memories and uh, abuse situations and uh, things we made wrong and wrong choices and uh, we don't want to tell, to tell anyone and we are still carrying the baggage and when somebody asking the question, we want to be a people of faith but just come out all the morning. It's okay. It's okay. We are trusting in a God of restoration and healing. At the end of this story, Genesis chapter 47, 27 to 30, we are seeing a different Jacob. Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. 
when the time draw near for Israel to die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest, when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. A different Jacob. He's no more wrestling, he's resting. His attitude is changed. His language is changed. And his vision is changed now. He didn't say that one. It is so hard to go back to Canaan because the famine spoiled everything. How wonderfully God placed on this land. Let's stay here. Joseph is, my son Joseph is the prime minister. Everything is going well. Pharaoh is for us. Let's stay here. He didn't say that one. No, 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 no. I want to go back to the place God promised. I want to be part of God's plan. I don't want to live in a place of comfort and to security, what this world gives. I have a bigger picture because God called me to be part of his promised land that is Canaan. Wow. How did that happen? That is God's amazing grace was at work in his life. Even later, God said, I am the father of, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac. You didn't say that one. Jacob. He is at work. So never miss the bigger picture. We are part of a bigger picture. Sometimes we can reduce ourselves to the things, what is happening in our small life, a job, a house, or just to do survival mode, but look at the bigger picture. God is calling us to bless the nations. God is calling us to proclaim his goodness to the nations because he's coming back. He's preparing a big party and we are part of that. God used Abraham to fulfill that in his lifetime. God used J J Isaac to fulfill his promise in his lifetime. Jacob's time. This is our lifetime. We are part of the bigger plan. And God won't just check you into one side because you missed some chance or you missed some of the chances. But his sovereign grace is so amazingly available to transform us into the image of his son. So we can trust in him. <laughs> so after this meeting, you don't need to go back with the old baggage. Leave it God and then leave it at the throne of his grace and say, I'm not going to carry this anymore. God has promised things over my life. He's going to fulfill that. And he's going to do that in his time. I can trust him. When I look to my life circumstances, there is no hope. When I look to my body, there is no hope. When I look to my relationship, there may not be any hope. But God is the God of hope. He's unchanging and he is everlasting. So instead of being disappointed with his own sinful failures, Jacob rejoices in what God has achieved through him by the grace and he decided to trust him. I want to be part of his promised land.
Let's lay aside all our regrets and disappointments. Since it all began with God and from God, we are created for Him and by Him. Let's join with God to take you to the place God wants to be to demonstrate His glory and His strength. Let's pray.